Hi, this is Claudio Pagano. I am a member of the Zurich Cyber Claims Center of Excellence. Welcome to Zurich Cyber Claims Talks. You have probably all wondered at some point how you and your employees can best avoid attempts by cyber criminals. Perhaps you have heard about security awareness and wonder what that entails exactly. Well, today we are going to dispel some of that mystery and invite you to listen to Janet Roberts, our global head of security education and awareness, to learn more. Janet, why is security awareness education necessary? It's well documented in a number of reports, Claudio, including the Verizon Data Breach Incident Report, or the DBIR as it's known in the industry, that the human risk factor is the highest cybersecurity risk to any company. There are no tools or software to stop a human being from making the wrong decision around data protection. Only education and awareness of the risk factors posed by cyber criminals can result in creating kind of a human firewall or human sensor, we might say. That's a person who can make smart data protection decisions on their own, thereby lowering the human risk factor for a company and for themselves and their families on a personal level as well. That leads me nicely to your role, Janet, Head of Security Education and Awareness. Can you tell us a little about you, your role, and how you came about doing this kind of job? Sure. In this data-driven world, you'll be a bit surprised to know that SANS Security Training Organization, a globally recognized uh, organization that's a top trainer of cybersecurity professionals, recommends a communications, marketing, employee engagement type background to build and lead a security awareness program. I, fortunately for me, fit that description. Before coming to security awareness, I obtained a degree in journalism with a master's in communications and worked in journalism, writing, media relations, and corporate communications roles. As a senior communications person at a U.S. insurance company, I handled communications for the chief security officer and became interested in information security. The CSO asked me to build the company's first security awareness program. I always remember he told me, I can teach you as much cybersecurity as you need, but I cannot teach technical IT and cybersecurity people to communicate in an understandable way with employees. I built that program, went on to redesign a program in a well-known multinational company, and when Zurich asked me to come and build their first program in 2015, I accepted. I've been doing this work overall since 2010, and I'm one of less than five people globally who has built three programs. I have a great passion for my work, and I believe the key is getting employees to listen, engage, retain, and then act on the knowledge provided to them. Janet, we heard from Greg Etrick in our previous podcast about how a threat actor chooses a target. What can people do to avoid becoming a target? This is a great question. Multi-factor authentication, handling of social media accounts, slowing down and thinking, strong passwords, it all sounds simple, but adding two-factor authentication wherever available, setting good privacy settings on your social media accounts, using a personal rather than work email for social accounts like LinkedIn, pausing to think about whether friend requests, requests for personal information, and emails and texts you receive at home and work are legitimate or suspicious. Use strong passwords and reset any default or manufacturer-provided password on all devices connected via internet, 
such as baby monitors, routers, modems. Never use the same password you use for work or for your financial accounts on your social media or online shopping accounts. Set up a guest network on your internet account for other members of your home or visitors to use. Make sure to use the VPN if using public Wi-Fi, but if you can, choose something other than public Wi-Fi, like tethering to your phone. Take that option. These six steps can help you reduce the chances of becoming a victim of a scam. Phishing was the most common type of cybercrime in 2020, doubled in frequency from the previous year. What are triggers that cybercriminals use to get people to click on a link or provide credentials? Much of the strategy around compromising a person and getting them to click on a link, provide credentials, transfer money, is based on psychology. There are seven top emotional triggers. Let me list them for you. Curiosity, urgency, greed, fear, compliance, management authority, personal connection. If you think about these top emotional triggers logically, as they relate to your own life, what is your first response to the offer of free tickets, the fear that your credit card will be shut off, an order from your CEO to take an action, a statement that if you don't take action, a system will fail or a contract or business deal will not go through. Your first reaction is to act quickly and this reaction is a habit. If you teach yourself to recognize these emotional triggers and your own response, then slow down and check for suspicious items and emails. You'll find that you can thwart many attack efforts. In security education, we teach that your bank, government tax agency, or other similar entities will not email you for your credentials. You know why? Because they already have them. The CEO is not likely to ask you to hurry up and transfer money to close a deal or your vendor to email you that bank routing numbers have changed. These things should arouse suspicion and sometimes taking the old fashioned route of picking up the phone to call someone or checking directly with the person or vendor first can avert disaster. What can our audience here do about third parties vendors who may not be as secure but are working with their employees or perhaps accessing the company network? This is a common concern. There are a variety of options depending on how your procurement team and or your information security and governance groups are set up. One solution, which I saw in another company, was to have the procurement team require each vendor to complete a short five question survey to gauge their level of access. If they are, for instance, housekeeping and accessing the building only, the rating is low. If they are attending calls, using a company assigned email, accessing SharePoint or other items where data is shared, then it's higher. If the access is high, then you may be able to insert in their contract a requirement that they take your security awareness training or show the content to their own in-house training as being comparable to yours. You should also make sure there are governance controls in place and requirements to take them through cloud approval review processes. Employees who are security aware can also report when they see a vendor not practicing good security hygiene or suspicious activity that might indicate business email compromise from a vendor who has been unknowingly hacked, allowing you to remediate or prevent any potential issue to your company.
Janet, if a company wishes to build their own security awareness program, what are the top three things they should consider first? I love this question because I have a passion for what I do. <laughs> uh, number one, it's my professional opinion that a security awareness program should sit with the cybersecurity team, not with governance, compliance, HR, communications, or otherwise. This is why cybersecurity sees the real threats the company faces and can be a feeder stream to the security awareness team to let them know what to educate their employees regarding, tailoring that education to the needs of the company. Having the security awareness lead report to the global CISO or VP of cyber further strengthens the ability to successfully educate and then report successes and areas of vulnerability to leadership or the board. If that is not an option at your company, consider having security awareness report to risk management before placing it in compliance. Second, the person leading the program should have strong communication, marketing, and creative skills to grab employees' attention, make training that is engaging and understandable, and gear learning to ensure the employee knows how to make good decisions about protecting data in their daily job role. And third, it should be clear to employees that the program is a training or learning program, not a punitive program, especially when it comes to fish simulation training. If an employee is punished for clicking on a training link rather than educated and then rewarded when they change their behaviors to reporting rather than clicking on the training, then it's highly possible that when they face a real phishing attempt and click, they will tell no one for fear of punishment it is imperative to lowering risk to help employees feel safe and comfortable reporting a suspicious email or phishing attempt, even if they have mistakenly clicked. Hiding it out of fear will allow the threat actor to sit on the company's systems much longer without an investigation and quick remediation ensuing. Is there a difference between security awareness and security governance compliance? Yes, actually. Security awareness and compliance or governance are like cousins who live next door to one another. Compliance governance is the why or the rule. Why do I have to have a complex password? Security awareness is the how or the education manual. How do I create a complex password? Employees are engaged and interested in how to do something that benefits them at work and home and more likely to retain the information and then act on it. Teaching only policies or standards means they will comply by reading the material, but are bored and will likely just view it as checking a box. Putting the why as a reference support to the how, which is the primary education, works best to lower risk. This further enforces the need to place the program in the cybersecurity team as this strengthens the security awareness team's ability to explain how to take actions that secure data. Phishing is a hot topic as it often results in everything from credential harvesting to successful ransomware attacks. It represents 22% of all breaches. Phishing increased in 2020 for one in every 4,200 emails. When training people to spot a phishing attempt, then measuring those training results, what is the most important metric to focus on? Okay, although it is probably human nature for most people to want to correct a mistake and therefore focus on the clickers, people who click on the phishing link. 
A security awareness program is a human behavior change program, and the behavior changes when they move to reporting only rather than clicking. Additionally, reporting the fish allows incident response to begin an immediate investigation and protect the company. The most important metric is the percentage of people who reported only and changed their behavior, therefore becoming resilient and making the company more resilient. The resiliency score is the number of people who reported only without clicking, divided by the number who clicked to come out with the level of resiliency for each business unit. A good fish training vendor will be able to provide the industry standard for clicking, reporting, and resiliency to allow a company to trend and compare over time. Good vendors will also provide a susceptibility score for the fish lures in their catalog that shows an overall percentage of the number of people across their customer base who failed the fish lure, allowing for increasing complexity in the fish training as the company's employees learn and improve. Thank you for listening to Cyber Claims Talks. I am Claudio Pagano, and you have been listening today from our cyber expert, Janet Roberts. Please stay tuned for our next podcast.